Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. An article in the Irish Times last week reads that the vast majority of Irish employers will not change their hybrid working policies this year, according to a new survey from Hayes Ireland, but a large proportion will require more physical office attendance from their employees in recent years. So is 2024 marking a big shift in ways of working? Is work-life balance going to simply survive or will it thrive this year? And where do organisations and their employees stand? Well, to answer these questions and many more, we're delighted to be joined by Megan Power, HR consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us again, Megan. How are you? I'm good, Owen. Thanks for having me. Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. Brilliant stuff. So look, kind of a, a topical topic, if that's a, if that's a phrase, and one that I know is probably going to get a get a lot, a lot of listens and a lot to talk about, so we'll jump right in. Um, so I suppose, Megan, we might jump to the legislation side of things first, if that's all right. So, Megan, is the incoming legislation around remote working kind of coming too late? Have companies jumped ahead in practice and with their policies? I know it's something we're expecting soon, but is it a little bit too little too late? What's the what's the thoughts on the ground? I actually found your intro really interesting because um, that shift of going back to the office is definitely something that I've seen creeping in uh, from a recruitment perspective, from prospective employers, and then also in practice clients coming to us looking to you know make a move of not fully back to the office more hybrid seems to be kind of taking and the front seat there with fully remote definitely very much in in the rear view for a lot of organizations uh, across the island of Ireland at the moment anyways um, I think at this stage, bear in mind, we're actually coming up on the fourth. Like, I, I can't believe it. We're coming up on the fourth anniversary of COVID um, in, in March of this year. Um, and I think at this stage, oh, well, you know, we're two, year, are we two years out of the pandemic kind of properly now. Um, most organizations have established or begun to establish their own policy relative uh, to remote working and what that looks like. And, you know, there are a few organizations who have it, you know, very much, it's established, it's robust, it's written down, it's practiced in actual practice, and it forms part of their recruitment, uh, you know, process in that it's part of the benefits package. We're a flexible working, you know, employer, and we offer um, remote working. Um, so you're kind of, you're seeing that, and then you're seeing organizations who, who never really got a handle on it and perhaps of some employees who are still remote working that they would like to have back in the office and that there needs to be kind of policies and communications put around standards Um, and I do think the remote working legislation will help those organizations again 
it's the understanding for both employers and employees that it's the right to request, not the right to be granted uh, remote working. So the process is the really key piece here. And that is, you know, very well outlined in the legislation. You, you can and we have for our clients drafted remote working policies based on the le- legislation, even though it's not yet commenced, with the caveat that we do not have eyes on the accompanying codes of practice yet. So they may offer more that needs to go into the policy as a, as a result of that. Um, so what we would be advising clients who are dealing with remote working requests now is to follow the legislation as best we can as we understand it. So if it does commence in two weeks time and, we may, and you're in the middle of a request that you are compliant um, you are compliant with the legislation. Um, it will mean that some organisations who have established hybrid working procedures may need to adjust their policies and how employees go about um, requesting um, remote working or making changes to their remote working um, arrangements. Um, so I'm not surprised that figures show a lot of them aren't planning on on making changes. It could be that they've done what we've advised, which is you know, take the legislation because the guidance is there. We, we can see what it looks like and understand that you may have to make tweaks relative to the codes of practice that come out. I mean, it is well behind <laughs> the times, you know, COVID, a four-year anniversary when we all started to, to remote to remote work. And, and I think the sooner, the better that they can get that code of practice out, really. Definitely, it'd be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on and hopefully it won't cause too much of a, a rumble uh, across workplaces and in policies. Um, I suppose, Mary, we've, I mean, we're what, over 150 episodes into this podcast now and prominently done through, all through the pandemic, actually. Um, and we've always kind of been advocates of flexibility. We spoke with, was it John Lee, back a couple of years ago about working from anywhere, all that kind of stuff. But one thing we haven't spoken about, Mary, and it's probably suggested by these results that there is a good chunk of people and employers, sorry, who want people back in the office. Um, from your perspective, Mary, is there any, I mean, what do you think are the reasons behind that? Obviously, remote work can bring some opportunities, but there's some challenges there as well, isn't there, for some employers? I think so, but I, I think some of it, um, if I'm honest, is about reluctant CEOs. Um, and I think in time, that will change. Um, I think it's very hard to change ingrained ways of working. Um, and, you know, certainly I know when the pandemic first struck and, and you know, all of our team were at home, I couldn't conceive of doing work in any other way than we always did work. Um, the pandemic forced me to, obviously, because otherwise there'd be no business. Um, and for a lot of employers, that was the reality. They had to find a way through the pandemic, a way to continue to deliver their services or their sell their products. Um, and, you know, an awful lot of organisations began to do things quite effectively remotely. I don't think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you can't run a business effectively remotely or with um, hybrid working practices. But bearing in mind what Megan just said, you know, we're four years into this. 
in real terms at scale. Um, before that, there were many remote first organizations who were espousing this as a, as a way forward, a way to cut costs, a way to, to effectively run a business. And I think we all learned a lot from them during the pandemic. But as we've, as we've gone on, I still see that reluctance. And where I see it is generally with the CEOs chomping at the bit, can we bring people back in now? And I always look to the why. Why do we want people back in? What are we going to have people do when they come back in? Are we concerned about productivity? Are we concerned, is there an issue around trust? Is there an issue around culture? Is there an issue around engagement? Are we losing people? What is, what is our logic for wanting to bring people back in together? Um, I certainly believe in, in the importance in, in people connecting, you know, face to face and seeing each other, you know, just to get a sense of the person themselves. I know we, we have all said on, on our teams when we meet up, you know, gosh, you know, I, I speak to you every single day, but meeting you in person is different and you're, you're different than I expected. Um, and that's good and it helps bond teams and it helps grow teams uh, and those casual conversations and interactions can actually happen. But I hear more from employees the resentment when they're forced back in office. Uh, I'm in a, a local gym and over the summer, there were a number of the uh, ladies in the gym who I work out with uh, commenting on the fact that they had to go back into the office and outlining their frustration at train commutes because people had moved um, at, you know, driving to Dublin where they were asked to go back in, uh, the inconvenience, the childcare issues, the early mornings, late nights and the resentment that goes with it. And I thought to myself, you know, their organizations are really missing a trick. Um, are they really having these people more engaged? Are these people tired because they're up now at six in the morning, traveling, commuting uh, on buses, on trams, on trains, in cars, stuck in traffic, um, late to collect kids from crashes, all, all these realities for people of the commute. Um, so the experience when they get into the office would want to be good or you're breeding discontent and you're actually doing the opposite maybe of what you intend in terms of collaboration. And I think there's some evidence to suggest that when people are going in office that they're actually seeking out the quiet spaces to work uh, rather than collaborating with each other. Uh, and I think the research is being done, but we're not there yet. And we don't have a balanced view yet of um, how it's all going to look in the future. I know certainly from our experience, I just can't imagine asking uh, any of you guys to come back in to the office full time. Be quite a commute for some, you know, people have relocated like you, for instance. So you've relocated since you started your employment with us. And if I asked you to come back to the office, I'm sure you'd start thinking twice about, well, is this the career for me? Is this what I want to do? Uh, how inconvenient would it be for me? Uh, and that's the reality of how employees think. So I think employers should always bear that in mind. If you have a good reason, 
if you really are building a culture, if you really are collaborating when people come in, if your meetings are on those days, yeah, great. But think carefully about what you're doing and why. Definitely. And I suppose on that point, it's something I'll come to both of you for, but I'll come to yourself again first, Mary, just off the back of that. I mean, there is kind of risks and challenges for employers that legislate that fully back five days a week thing, isn't there? Again, I mean, the challenges and, and risks can be managed, but there is risks and challenges there if you are to say to everyone, right, employees assemble, roll back. I think so. And, and you really look, need to look at individual terms and conditions of employment, what you've agreed, what you've put in writing. Um, is there custom and practice? You know, you really need to think through carefully what you're doing. We've seen edicts, um, everybody back to the office. And if you don't come back to the office, well, then you have no future in this organisation. We have seen that. Uh, and that probably was effective in some jurisdictions and maybe not so effective in others. Um, so I think it's something that uh, employers need to be careful about because, you know, high court challenges are mounted. People do take this stuff very seriously. Um, and, you know, if somebody feels that you have in some way breached an agreement with them, we see on, on a practical level grievances related to people being asked to return to the office. Um, we've seen grievances relating to people not being allowed remote or, or hybrid working arrangements. We've seen uh, inequity when it comes to I trust you, own, but I don't trust you, Megan. So, Megan, you need to come to the office five days a week and own, you don't. Now, obviously, that's not true. Both of you are entirely trustworthy. But these are the things that we're seeing um, on the ground day to day and which we examine with our clients. You know, we're not yes people. We'll, we'll always question the logic behind what you're doing, why you're doing it, what the issue is, whether the employee is being fair and reasonable. Are you being fair and reasonable? Um, so that you're coming to the best decision that you can in relation to these things. But there are issues that you have to be aware of uh, in HR as employers when it comes to changing practice practices that are now in place. Um, and I think a lot of people have made decisions about their lifestyle, about where they work and how they work, at uh, the location that they work from, based on their perceived view of your policy on remote or hybrid working. Uh, so to change that could create a situation where you'll have retention issues, uh, attraction issues. Uh, I know certainly from our perspective, we don't have a difficulty attracting HR people to us because we have complete flexibility. Uh, you work in the best way that suits you. You start at the time that suits you. You finish at the time that suits you. Your life matters. Um, and productivity is very high and probably higher than it ever was before. So, you know, it, it really is something that employers need to be very careful about and think through very carefully and not give messages that we don't trust you um, because, you know, there isn't evidence really to support that. You might have individual performance issues with individuals um, which should be tackled through your performance management or disciplinary processes, uh, not penalise 
your workforce because we're dealing with a handful of issues. Um, but that being said, each organization has its own flavor, its own approach. And, you know, if you look at some of the you know, financial institutions that are saying, look, we want people back here five days a week. That is the job. That's what we expect. And you will attract people who want that for their career. Um, likewise with hybrid, likewise with fully remote, it isn't for everybody. Um, and it's very important that um, you understand that. Um, our listeners know Liam Barton from uh, our podcast. Liam wants to come to an office, you know, that's that's what he wants to do. Um, and he comes every day to an office. That's his preference. That's his choice. And uh, we facilitate that. And, you know, it's down to, you know, in my view, how do you, how do you uh, keep a team, your workforce, those around you happy and productive and doing their best work? Because that's what it's about, isn't it really? Um, and so you scale up, you scale down, you decide what works for your organisation. Definitely. I suppose kind of similar question to yourself, Megan. I mean, based on what Mary is saying there and based on what we know, if you are going to bring everyone back into the office, at the very least, how you do it is a big important part of this kind of stuff, Megan, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 under, it's understanding what you're, what you're governed by in, in terms of legislation. And I do think it's on this podcast it'd be important to dispel the myth that I have seen some employers interpret that because the legislation is the right to request and not the right to be granted that they don't have to accommodate remote working and they can pull everyone back into the office five days a week um and you have to be careful and I was actually dealing with a couple of these queries back in in the summer of 2023 and even then I was nervous for my client about mandating because custom and practice plays a huge part so yes your clause in your contract might say that their work location is um the office in Dublin the HQ in Dublin but if you have since 2020 been accommodating an arrangement of every Monday Wednesday and Thursday's office every sorry every Tuesday Wednesday Thursday's office every Monday Friday is his home and you try to pull that back you know it could be argued quite reasonably by the employee that that is actually now a term and condition of their employment and that you are breaching their contract by dictating that they are coming back to the office five days a week and the you know is is that reasonable and what's the and going back to what Mary has been saying, what is the reason, you know, for that for that shift? So last early earlier last year, I would be advising clients if if your plan is to have everyone back in the office five days a week, then you need to start looking at that. In fact, you should have been looking at that, you know, months ago because you've created a custom and practice in your organization, and you are less and less able to rely on COVID and extenuating circumstances because COVID's gone and, and the world is ticking on as, 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 as normal again. So I would, I would be advising clients who are planning on shifting their remote working policies for the negative, and, and by that I mean tightening the purse strings on it, 
to think very carefully, like Mary said, about the why behind they're doing it and, and how they decide to make, you know, to make that change. Um, and, you know, we've seen some very, very kind of brute attempts at that where it's literally just an email to staff to say effective from next week, you all are expected to be back in the office five days a week. That's not reasonable. You know, that's not considering someone's individual <clears throat> terms and conditions of employment with the organization, um, you know, um, what they've been doing for how long they've been doing it. I've even seen recently, um, and, and it is a mistake, where employers think they can get away with putting down in a new hire's contract that they work in the office. But from day one, they've accommodated hybrid working. You know, and that gives them the strength down the line to say, no, what do you want about your, you work in the office five days a week, look at your contract. No, look also at custom and practice and, and be very careful there. Um, so I, I suppose in summary, for anyone thinking of shifting and making a move to, to mandate um, things around remote working, I'd be looking at your employees, treating them as individual, looking at their, you know, their circumstances. What have they been allowed to do? What, what does their, your, you know, contract state? Why are we asking them to do this? And if we are determining that it's essential, how are we going to go about bringing about this, this change? Um, and it is, it is, it's, it's, it is going to be a tricky one for employers. Um, and they run risks of claims. They also run risks of, of, lack of employee engagement, motivation, and they run the risk of losing staff as well. Definitely. And I suppose on that point, Megan, and something you, you said at the top of the call, just that whole topic around kind of attracting and retaining talent, I think the word that's kind of jumped out into a lot of the remote working speak, but beyond that has been flexibility, which I'm delighted with because it's obviously more than saying yes or no to remote and all this kind of stuff. Flexibility is the key. And even beyond work location, Megan, I mean, offering flexibility in some shape or form as much as you can is still a massively important tool in attracting and retaining talent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, all these directives coming from the EU, that's the way, that's the way the world is moving. You don't, you know, you don't keep up with it and you're on the wrong side of it and your business will suffer as a result. But again, going back to what Mary says is every business has got its own flavor and it certainly will be a case that not every flexible working arrangement is going to suit you know every business if a business is operating you know a phone line or an open shop five days a week nine to five someone needs to be in the business you know you know so it's it it, it is um, but the flexible working is a big part like I said I was interested by your introduction and I'm not surprised um, I do think we're we're shifting towards remote only organizations. So organizations that are remote, that's their brand, that's what they offer. You've got hybrid, and then you've now coming back since COVID, you have got a lot of organizations recruiting for fully office positions. And they are advertising Monday to Friday, nine to half five. And I think, I think they're at a risk of being at the bottom of the pecking order in terms of recruitment as a result, because even if you can't offer remote, can you consider 
the flexible working piece um, and factoring in that work-life balance is now huge. It's it's what everyone's, you know, it's, it's what everyone's talking about. And bearing in mind that under this legislation, you will have to, again, manage requests from certain eligible employees. The flexible working is more stringent, you know, than the remote working and there has to be caring dependent needs there. But you do have to consider uh, requests for flexible working. And flexible working can be, it can be such a whole host of things that it's not actually, under the legislation, it's not actually currently laid out, um, you know, what, what flexible working is. But, you know, it could be annualized hours. It could be someone starting later to facilitate a school drop-off because their partner does school pick-up. Um, or vice versa. It could be working a condensed working week. So doing, they still need full-time employment, but doing that over four days, it's quite, you know, that's quite common now. Um, and I think all of these things really only add to an organization's ability to attract and retain talent. If you, you know, support your staff in their, you know, and provide them with a work-life balance, why would, you know, why would they want to leave? In fact, it could actually make it very hard for them to leave because they're in a, in an employment that offers them the flexibility to to do school runs or to have three days off to support a hobby or a, another interest or something like that. And they're looking at the labour market and thinking, yeah, I, I might go somewhere and I might get five or 10K more. But actually, when I quantify that into actual take-home pay versus now money spent on petrol to get into the office, childcare costs, you're probably actually earning more money in the organization that pays you less but gives you flexibility. So it's a strong, flexible working is a strong recruitment tool in my view. 100%. And Mary, one of the things that Megan mentioned there, uh, work-life balance, and this is a pure devil's advocate question because I think I know the answer, but I'd love to get your, your perspectives on it. So Mary, work-life balance has been pushed even higher up and be given even more strength in the in the past couple of years with the remote work and flexible mar- uh, flexible working, the employee powered market, you know that kind of way. Are we riding a wave, Mary, or is the work life balance situation power that we have now here to stay? Just I know it's a bit of an open ended question, but any any kind of thoughts on that? I think a lot is going to depend on the um, conditions on the marketplace um, and not that employers are cynical, but that some will use, you know, maybe a downturn or a recession in the future to bring about a different kind of uh, work environment. So right now, I, I think it's here to stay, um, you know, given our uh, conditions, uh, given the marketplace, given that we're at, we're at full employment and employers are competing uh, for talent and looking towards things like the four day week, flexible working, um, uh, supportive leave practices uh, for families, for carers, for, um, you know, their employees at large, depending on their cohort of employees. So there's quite a lot of attention and focus there. Bottom line for any organization is going to be productivity, isn't it? You know, are we able to deliver um, the services that we're required to deliver? Are we able to uh, service our customers? Are we able to sell our products? Are we productive overall as an organization? Um, And I think 
because management practices are slow to catch up. We're still not at a point where managers have learned to manage necessarily remote and hybrid uh, workforces. And I think a lot of that is where the challenge arises in in that uh, smart organisations are learning how to do this as best as they possibly can, putting in place systems and processes um, people processes in particular uh, and management practices that allow a manager to manage their teams uh, effectively in this way. And I think as more training, education, uh, focus, internal uh, development of management happens, I I think it will ingrain uh, these kind of practices uh, in the future. But I talk to CEOs every day of the week, every day of the week. And often, often the the issue of bringing people back in, how do we do it? Can we take some time to discuss and look at, is this working for our organization? Uh, and I have those conversations regularly with with CEOs, with, with senior managers um, who aren't quite comfortable with the work practices that they see. And yet when I get into it with most of them, they can't really articulate the what, the the what, what's missing? What aren't we doing? What way are we not collaborating? Um, and I'm not imposing my own personal viewpoint on our clients, because I do believe each organization has to have its own flavor, has to have its own brand, has to have its own approach here. Uh, for us, I look at output. I don't look at start time, finish time, length of your lunch break, uh, and any of those things. We look purely at our servicing of our clients and how effectively that is done. And we manage by output rather than by monitoring people in time. Uh, Any issue, we deal with that directly with the individual concerned and that becomes a performance issue. It's not not something that uh, should affect absolutely everybody in the business. So that's our own approach here. Um, But I still feel that we're slow to catch up. The training and development of managers uh, isn't where it should be, even though Many, many organizations have in place hybrid uh, practices. Many, many organizations continue to engage with their employees about how they're feeling about all of these things. Um, but, you know, again, it's, you know, that isn't, isn't that um, staring into the uh, future own. We could never have envisaged where we are today. If you'd asked me four years ago, could I run this business remotely? Um, I would have laughed. And now I think, you know, will I head off to Spain for a month and, and run the business remotely from there? And absolutely, I could do it. What would the difference be? except there'd be some uh, gentle waves lapping at my feet. The team mightn't like it so much to see me there uh, sipping pina coladas. But, you know, in reality, um, in reality, it's, it's possible and the world is different. And you either embrace and move forward, look at your organization and how you can make it work. Um, 
if you want to be hybrid, if you want to be remote, if you want to be in-house five days a week. And I think there's valid arguments for all three ways of working. And there will be people that want to work in your organization once you're clear about what your brand is. Where the difficulty arises, I think, is when it's all uncertain. You're working in a pattern um, that you like, that you have built your life around, that gives you the kind of balance you never had before and you really value now. And next thing, there's an edict from somewhere um, saying you've got to come back in more. And people march with their feet um, say what they have to say. And ultimately, then you may be into attraction and retention issues. So just think carefully about it. That's that's um, that's my message today. And and building on everything Mary has said there, Megan, any kind of final advice from yourself then for those employers who are thinking, I mean, either changing to hybrid, changing to fully remote, changing to, to fully back in office because they have to. Any kind of advice for them based on what Mary said there on how to get it right, at least no matter what you're doing, whatever your approach or changes. Don't assume that you can just enforce it without consequence or without risk would be the first thing that I would say. Um, secondly is, and this part is really important across a number of exercises that, that relate to HR is though, and it's just, I suppose, reiterating what Mary has said throughout this podcast, but it's, it's just so true. It's the why. So We'll work with any organization and trust that they, you know, that they're doing it for their business. So if they need people back in the office five days a week, absolutely. But it's about communicating that why um, clearly uh, to the employees so that they understand. Because as Mary's just said, and it's so true, it's, it's, it's where employee, employees don't know what the company's brand or position on and it seemed to be working really well and the employee thinks they're doing a great job I mean, they haven't heard otherwise their life is is well set up they're really valuing you know what they're what they're able to do whether that's two days in the office three days four days whatever and then suddenly it's we're changing it and you're and you're coming back and the impact that that has on an individual and the changes they now have to scramble to make you know in their personal life simply because they don't understand whereas if we communicate that our business is in x industry and for that we need you know um collaboration and our clients now want to meet us in office or whatever the you know and for that reason we foresee a requirement for everyone to be in the office two days you know two days three days a week whatever that communication piece can solve a lot of a lot of problems just getting that communication piece um right and it is about doing your due diligence and understanding okay who are we asking to go back why are we asking them to go back what have they been doing up until this point how long have they been doing that um you know and i certainly do think you need to do your homework to see if joe blogs now lives in donegal and your offices are in cork you know you can't you know that's not that's not feasible so you know how are we going to deal with that particular situation so there will be some case by case um that needs to be considered as well so i mean i I, i'll end as i do a lot of the times which is get advice and and don't make assumptions get advice plan it out and develop how you're going to do it understand your why um before you go ahead and do anything 
Hearing, hearing the voice of your employees is so important and that hasn't changed, um, you know, and, and the sensible approach, I think, to any change that you're trying to implement is, first of all, understanding um, the employee body. And I think it's important to speak one on one to managers what is and isn't working, why is it working? Why is it not working? What is our motivation for changing? And we always start with the CEO. You know, what's your perspective? What What do you want here? Um, why? And and have an in depth discussion with the CEO around their own views around these things because I think that's very important as a starting point. Then I'd look at well the the management team how how is it work and go down a level level look at the supervisors and and your front line how is how is that working and then finally talk to your employees understand what they want uh, how important it is to them um if it's working and you will get an overall picture of how well your organization is performing what might need to change um and then start to move forward with a very solid comms plan around that and own you know this better than myself and Megan because you've you've worked in internal comms before um but that's key so if we're changing something um, and we believe it's for the better for our organization, then our communications plan needs to be really, really sharp and on point and clear uh, so that people understand what they're getting, um, what what's in it for me. Because if you don't get that buy-in, if you don't um, have your employees agreeing with you that in office three days a week or two days a week or five days a week is the way to go. They will march with their feet. It's as simple as that. And you create problems or they will raise grievances or they will uh, start to put in uh, complaints to the WRC. And in time when we do have the codes of practice in place for uh, right to request remote working, you'll see um, claims starting to run through as well again taking up valuable management time and energy um and costing the organization money so you know do your change management processes for something like this as much as you would do for any other change you're bringing back your business remember four years is a long time four years of a practice is a long period in which uh something is established and if you're attempting to change it now do your homework do your exercises um plan structure look at your change management models don't forget about them every day is a, a day of change in the way in my world anyway that's how i look at it um and you know be clear about what you're doing and why what the risks are what the organization may face or encounter as a result um, of of a change practice and um, take it from there. Definitely. And like with so many things in, in HR, as we've said before, it's not exactly what you do, it's how you do it. So it's definitely something that I think a lot of people will find practical, useful, the advice and the, the discussion there. So thank you, Mary and Megan, for a very useful and practical discussion and very enjoyable and timely as well, I hope. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe 
and join the discussion on our social media channels, particularly on a topic like this. We'd love to get some chat going online and on social media around your thoughts on this. Uh, if you are enjoying these episodes, do please feel free to share them with colleagues, friends, and family. And even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate that too. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Megan, and thank you, Mary. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.